Welcome to Paranormal Almanac. With your host, Kurt Sandvig. That's right. I am your host, Kurt Sandvig. And welcome back to another edition of Paranormal Almanac. That's right. Been away for two weeks. Hope you guys missed me or are listening to this now. Hope I didn't lose you is all I'm saying. I'm back. Don't worry. Got plenty more episodes in me. Just had to take a quick personal break, uh, if you will. So, but anyhow, on this edition... Let's talk about haunted cemeteries and graveyards. But first, as always, we have shout-outs. That's right. We have shout-outs going out to Izzardbreath, Dusty, Roger, Michael, Dustin, Matthew, Alicia, Derek, Becca, Josh, Jen, Elizabeth, Voitech, Steve, Sherry, Artmuffin, Trudy, Tim, Kenneth, Paul, Ricardo, Damian, and Daniel, Ian, Eric, Brandon, Jen, Alexandra, Simon, George, Connie, Seth, Jason, Hayden, Cindy, Kim, Ashley. What's that? Ian, Carrie, Ezra, Robin, Will, Jim, Kelly, Lorna, Phil, Mangano, Russell, Tanya, Donald, Chris, Brendan, April, Seth, Isabel, Audra, Dorian, and Daniel, Dorian and Isaac, Cindy, Bob, Sean Bishop, Cole, Paula, Jerry, Leo, Austin, Lindsay, Han, Megan, Aaron, Amy, Jeff, T, Harley, Suzanne, Joe, Lawrence, Lauren McCune. Hey, howdy, hi, and a happy now Wednesday to you. Lily, Nick, Autumn, Jmar, Carolyn, Martin, Darth Pikachu, Jaden, Nashi, Megan, Heidi, Kira, Pablo, Chuck, Laura, Rutho, Todd, Jamie, and Elijah Hendrickson, Juliana, Dan, Dill, Laura, and GamerFan. With a special shout out to Joe Teague and John Haas. All right, let's get right on in to Paranormal News. I'd like to thank listener Justin for that one. It's one that I've been wanting to play for a while and I always forget about. And I'm like, crap, I got this freaking awesome uh, tune. Justin Burgos, uh, freaking rad, uh, that I absolutely love. So thank you, Justin. Uh, If you guys want to send in your own paranormal news or theme song for Paranormal Almanac, this was actually one of them that he thought would be an awesome uh, theme. And I always forget to use it. So I wanted to make sure I used it. I just added the word news every now and then in the actual news part. But if you want to send in your Paranormal News or Paranormal Almanac theme song, just email it over to me, paranormalalmanac at gmail.com. Thank you again, Justin. This week on Paranormal News, a story I don't rightly believe, to be honest with you, but, you know, let's find out from the man himself. Man says Sasquatch attacked him with an axe. Because, you know, you hear all those stories about Sasquatches just running around with axes and chainsaws and, you know, 
finger knives and shit like that. Uh, no, I don't believe it anyway, but the story is a follow-up to a story of Klamath County man accused of telling police that he was being insulted by Sasquatch. A call came into Klamath County or Klamath County 911 dispatch late Wednesday afternoon from a caller claiming that a man was trying to kill him with an axe. The caller was not providing a lot of information and was threatening, rude, and abusive to 911 dispatchers, but the officer still responded quickly. Officers responded at high, high speeds. Let's get to it. Uh, defendant was combative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get to the freaking Sasquatch. Here we go. The deputy DA says he can't comment on, evi on any evidence that may be presented in court, though he added an important observation. Upon a subsequent investigation, there were no signs that Sasquatch was present. Yeah, that's right. That's some bullshit, man. Um, but the reason I wanted to read this one was there was actually a lot of people that, you know, left comments on the news article that said, you know, I live in Southern Oregon. I don't believe this guy, but I have seen, smelled, heard, and seen their structures. They surround our valley in the mountains. For the most part, they avoid us, spy on us, and take advantage of our gardens, sometimes a chicken or two. Obviously, she's talking about Sasquatch. Uh, another guy says, um, no Sasquatch is present. Uh, you mean the, the police didn't? Uh, but, 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 uh, no, where's the other one? Here we go. I saw something. When I was, I saw something like that, swimming and fishing in the rivers behind my house. I thought about calling the police since fishing season is not open, I'm, but I'm glad I let it go. Whatever it was was huge, and I'm pretty sure they're endangered. Whole lot of spelling errors in that comment, but nonetheless, people come into the defense of Sasquatch, and one guy rudely accusing Sasquatch of a crime. So... That is this week's Paranormal News, Fuck That Guy edition. All righty. Up next to Paranormal News, first UK crop circle of 2021 found. Now, in case you guys don't know, almost all the crop circles in the UK have been uh, debunked by a couple of guys, that they are made by a couple of guys. There's just two guys doing it, but they're still pretty freaking cool. So I'm going to read it anyway, even though I'm calling it right now. Not a real crop circle, if there even are real crop circles. But the 2021 crop circle season is officially underway in UK as the first formation of the year has been found by researchers. The design was reportedly discovered on Monday in the village of Stanton, St. Bernard, and was presumably created at some point over this past weekend. Embossed into a color colorful field of rapeseed and seen as seen in the fantastic drone video above, the formation is comprised of a series of triangles that form a larger picture that some have likened to an origami pinwheel. Sure, why not? Uh, they said, um, we don't show any signs of obvious signs of mechanical crushing. The yellow flowers remain intact. There is no evidence at present to suggest that it might have been man-made. If by some chance it was man-made, then they have certainly done a nice tidy job in a field where the farmer would not be friendly. So, what do you guys think? Crop circles. Are they real? Are they fake? Do you not care? You let me know. All right, moving on in paranormal news. This is not how you want to do a ghost hunt, or at least not what you want to find during a ghost hunt. Police investigate suspected human remains detected during a ghost hunt. That's right. Authorities in Massachusetts were called upon to investigate the possibility of discovery of human, the possible discovery of human remains after the crew of a paranormal television show stumbled upon something anomalous buried in the basement. According to the Massachusetts State's police, the odd incident occurred late last month 
as the unnamed program was filming in a building located in the city of East Bridgewater. Apparently, the production came prepared to find something seriously strange as they had not only enlisted a cadaver dog as part of their team, but also possessed ground-penetrating radar. While exploring the basement of the building, the body-sniffing pooch alerted the team to something unusual, and an examination with the radar showed, quote, an anomaly underground. Understandably, the ghost hunter suspected that they had just hit reality TV pay dirt in the form of a undiscovered human remains, uh, but they promptly reported the find to the cops. Upon their arrival, an emergency response team proceeded to excavate the spot where the body was believed to be buried. However... The suspicions of the ghost hunters turned out to be a false alarm, womp womp, as cops dug several feet down to the ground and eventually a large volume of groundwater was observed flowing through the excavated area. With that in mind, police determined that was likely the cause of the anomaly detected by the radar. Although it doesn't explain what caught the attention of the cadaver dog, the story is still ongoing. Will they find a body? Won't they find a body? Do they want to find a body? I do not want to find a body. Alrighty, up next in paranormal news, aliens in the Hudson. Oh, screw you with, I have the ad blocker turned on, you piece of crap. Hold on a second. Pause on all sites. Try this again. Aliens in the Hudson Valley. Pine Bush doubles down on its decades-long UFO history with the new museum. The Hudson Valley has long been, wait, where'd it go? The Hudson Valley has long been known as a hotbed of UFO activity, uh, let's skip ahead. I've got newspaper articles from the 50s and people who grew up in the pine bush as kids giving accounts of seeing that classic saucer shape in the sky, Who run, uh, according to Seaburns, who runs Pine Bush Anomaly, Anomaly Archive, an ongoing oral history project with a mission to collect any and all information about the pine bush unique history. Uh, he prefers to go by his first initial due to the stigma sometimes involved in chasing the paranormal. Says Kurt Sandvig, not afraid to use my real name. Please don't hurt me. Um, and says uh, he lives in New Jersey. Found out about the tiny town after a red blah, blah, blah. Armed with low expectations, he showed up at the Dunkin' Donuts in Pine Bush on a night in 1993. When I started asking people in town where to spot UFOs, the response I got were all over the spectrum. From your crazy looks to, oh yeah, you go up Hill Road and take a right, blah, blah, blah. Over the next five years, he, he regularly visited the area and fell in love, fell in, not in love, he might be in love with them, I don't know, fell in with a core group of locals who came out of West Searsville Road, ground zero for sky watching in the, 90, every, in the 90s every night. I came away not understanding what exactly was going on in Pine Bush, but knowing there was something unusual, mind-blowing really, happening up there. They don't know what's so special about Pine Bush, but they're saying that... Uh, we need a museum, and hence, the museum began. Let's see. Stories about little discs zipping across the sky for five seconds make an impression, but imagine a triangle the size of a football field 75 feet over your head for 20 minutes. That's what we have seen and hundreds of people have seen in the late 80s, early 90s. On any given night, there would be hundreds of people lining the old farm roads surrounding the Pine Bush area and waiting for something to happen. And often... It did. Let's see. But uh, my theory is they're fascinated by us. They're studying us. They're curious about the strange humans. Um, since 2008, the, uh, the town of Crawford has doubled down by expanding what started as an informal annual, annual gathering of ufologists into an all-out festival. Though the Pine Bush UFO Fair was canceled last year, 7,000 people showed up no matter what. 
That is crazy. So this year, they're expecting an even bigger crowd when their fair returns over Labor Day weekend. And on June 4th, the Pine Bush UFO and Paranormal Museum, a year-round exhibit highlighting the extraterrestrial activity of the Hudson Valley, New York, and New England area, will open right downtown. That is freaking cool. Someone invite me out there. Fly me out there. I want to do, I want to go to this festival. This sounds freaking awesome. UFO and Paranormal Museum. I want to do an episode from the museum live so you guys can get part of it. So I got to reach out to these guys and see, see if they're willing to fly me out there for it. I will gladly go. Uh, it says the museum's openings. It's been in the works for over a year. Um, the New York Times recently reported that the UFO sightings around the country have increased dramatically. Blah, blah, blah. We all know that. The opening of the museum comes shortly after a highly anticipated deadline. No, 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 no. Come on. Give me just some details. And then it, it just keeps going on. on. There's a hell of a lot. But anyhow, the important piece of this story, I'm going to stop right there. The important piece of this story, though, Pine Bush UFO and Paranormal Museum, June 4th, part of the fair, the UFO fair. That sounds freaking rad. I want to be part of that. All righty, up next in paranormal news. I want to get going because there's there's story to be said. Oh, this is a quick one. I like this one quite a bit. A Flatwood monster. If you guys don't know what the Flatwoods monster is, look it up. I've talked about it before, but it's really freaking cool. Flatwoods monster piece turns pandemic losses around for Blanco Glass. This one comes out of West Virginia. The Blanco Glass company was kind of hurting because of COVID, um, but... They, uh, someone blew, they actually went into chapter 11 bankruptcy, but someone blew this hand-blown glass art of the Flatwoods monster, and um, they said it's a hit. People love it. So, do-do-do-do. The Flatwood monsters is, Flatwoods monster is West Virginia. When it first started off, I thought he would, we would make a few, but man, it went ballistic. Everybody wants one. Yeah, no, I think it's awesome. It brought us new customers who are not our traditional customer base. They're now waiting to see what we do next. Many are speculating a limited edition Mothman piece will be coming from Blinko next, but that has not been confirmed. I got to say, this piece is freaking rad. I want one. It doesn't say how much they are, though, or how to buy one, which kind of bums me out. Um, I'll have to reach out to them. Maybe I can get one and put behind me in the... If you guys watch the live shows, there's a lot of weird crap behind me on the shelves, so I think it'd be cool to have one of those for sure. Alrighty, real quick, uh, we're just about done. We have two stories left in paranormal news. What's the military doing about UFOs? Well, the Pentagon's internal watchdog wants to know. That's right, it's part of this whole, in June, we're all going to, you know, be told everything. Disclosure's going to happen. But U.S. Defense Department's internal watchdog office is launching an evaluation this month to see what the U.S. military has been doing when it comes to UFOs or UAPs. Uh, the Department of Defense Office of Inspector General announced that the evaluation will seek to determine the extent to which the DOD has taken actions regarding unidentified aerial phenomena. That's about all you need to know about that one. Just wanted to keep that in the news. All righty, here we go. Last but not least, when you guys think about UFO investigations, one name should come to mind. Think about it. I'm going to give you guys a second. All right, think about UFO investigations. There's one name that is attached to every UFO investigation out there. You're thinking, yeah, it's J. Allen Hynek, right, Kurt? Nope. How about Demi Lovato? That's right, Demi Lovato to host an unscripted UFO investigation series at Peacock. I'm not going to make fun of her too much because I'd be on the show. Demi Lovato will find out if the truth is out there in a new limited edition unscripted 
limited unscripted series about UFOs on Peacock in Unidentified with Demi Lovato. She is going to, her and her skeptical best friend Matthew and her sister Dallas attempt to help uncover the truth about the UFO phenomena. While consulting with leading experts, the trio will investigate recent eyewitness encounters, uncover secret government reports, and conduct tests at known UFO hotspots. Look, I, I can't make fun of her. She obviously has an interest in UFOs. I have nothing against Demi Lovato. That was just a joke because it was such an out there, you know, like out of left field. Like, what the hell? Demi Lovato? Really? Look, good honor. Freaking awesome. Demi, I'd love to be on your show. Hopefully you're listening to this podcast. You know I'm part skeptic, not as much as apparently your skeptical best friend, Matthew. But I'd like to, I'd like to be part of this. I think it'd be good entertainment. Uh, Unidentified is the latest television project that Lovato has set up at NBC Universal. It was announced in April that NBC had given out a pilot order. That eh, doesn't matter. Uh, the important part was that she's doing a UFO show, and uh, I want to be part of this UFO investigation series. I'll have to reach out to her, see if I can even just get her on the show as a guest. I think it'd be a fun live show. I'd like to chat with her. All righty, that about does it for Paranormal News. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Break time. Break time's over. That's right. We are back. Now, like I said earlier, I had to take a little over a week off for sanity, but forget sanity. Let's get back into it. And on this edition, let's take a look at some of the most haunted cemeteries, graveyards, boneyards, burial grounds, whatever you want to call them around the world. Part one. That's right. There are so many that there's going to be more than one part. But first, we have to let Stitch jump up in my lap. Come on up, pal. Come on. Last chance. All right. Now, I got to say, I don't get why any ghost would want to haunt a cemetery. It's not like they hung out there while they were alive. So unless someone's like looting their grave or messing with their bodies, why haunt there? I get like... You know, haunting at your home. That's your home. You spend a shit ton of time there. Or haunting at your favorite bar or, you know, you, your places that you hung out a lot while you were alive. I can get that. I can get totally behind that. But what am I going to do at a graveyard? I'm a ghost. Cool. Either it's full of ghosts, in which case I don't know any of these people, so it's going to be at like going to a party with a bunch of people I don't know, and I'm just going to be hanging out, and hopefully they've got like a ghost dog buried in that cemetery so I can go play with the dog, but I don't know these people. And I seriously doubt that that is the case, that you die, and then boom, you just, there you go, now you just hang out at the cemetery with all the other ghosts. If that's heaven, that's a shitty heaven, because again, you know, people aren't all buried in the same cemetery, so, you know, Choices are limited, but with that being said, let's take a look at some of the most haunted cemeteries, graveyards, boneyards, burial grounds, whatever you want to call them, around the world. And we truly are going around the world this time. Well, these two times. Like I said, this is part one. But we're going to start in Paris. That's right. We're not starting in America. No way, no how. We're going to start in Paris with the largest cemetery there. Now, it's called... Nope, I didn't look this up before I started. Cimetière du Pierre Lachaise. 
I guarantee you that's wrong. So let's find out how to pronounce, how to pronounce. Here we go. You guys ready for this one? Let's turn it up. Make sure you can hear it. Père Lachaise. Père Lachaise. All right. Père Lachaise. We're talking about Cemetery du Père Lachaise. Now, it's said to be one of the most visited cemeteries in the world, and I can kind of get why. It is a beautiful, old cemetery with crazy, cool tombs, crypts, headstones, and ghosts. Ghosts like former Prime Minister Adolf Thiers. Now, he was Prime Minister of Paris in the 19th century. I know you guys all knew that, but I'm just saying it for, you know, me, because I didn't. But... He isn't seen so much, but he sure makes his presence known there in the cemetery. What I mean, what I mean by that is a lot of people, and I mean a lot of people, have said they feel someone tugging on their clothes when they visit his mausoleum. Now, I get that he's probably just trying to get people's attention, but, you know, tugging on people's clothes, that's a little weird, dude. That's all I'm saying. Why tug on them? They're just they're just checking on you, dude. What the hell, man? But that's nothing, because next up in the cemetery is Marcel Proust's grave, his grave. Now, grain of salt time, but legend says, each night, Marcel's ghost rises from its grave in search of his lost lover, but he will never find him or her, depending on the source, but it seems like it's it's a him because they were buried at a separate cemetery against their wishes. That's a sad one, just constantly walking around looking for their lover. That sucks. I'm sorry. Next up, someone who is more familiar to you guys, hopefully. I mean, I think he's more famous than Marcel Prost or Adolf Thiers. That's Jim Morrison, who you should know as the lead singer of The Doors. Now, there have been multiple sightings of Jim's ghost walking around the cemetery or just being seen, and being seen in some photographs, kind of. You can look it up. I don't want to throw them up on, on, well, maybe I will. Maybe I'll throw them up on the Facebook page, but it's just there's something in the background. I can't say if that photo is legit or not, but check it out anyway. But it is said that since his bust was stolen in 1981, Jim wanders around the cemetery more. His, the sightings of him have actually gone up since his bust was stolen off of his grave. Now, this next one is not a ghost. We're still in the same cemetery. This next one is not a ghost, but kind of just like a bizarre tidbit. Composer Chopin, well, he's also buried here, except for his heart. His final wish was to have his heart removed after death because he was terrified by the thought of being buried alive. Yeah, that would do it. How about you don't, like, you know what my final thought is? Stab me with a pin 50 times. Slap me around. Try to wake me up. You know, put my hand in warm water. See if I wet myself. But don't rip out my heart, because if I was alive, and you guys accidentally said I was dead, well, guess what? I'm sure as shit dead then. Now, his heart is walled inside a pillar in a Polish church that I'm not going to try and say. All righty. <clears throat> Finally, for this cemetery, there's a crazy story. Now, this one is about Elizabeth Stroganoff. Now, her mausoleum is one of the biggest at the cemetery because even though she was born in Russia, she was incredibly wealthy and basically like spent her entire life mostly in Paris. Now, she died at the age of 39, 
and she included an unusual challenge in her will. Anyone brave enough to spend 365 days and 366 nights inside her mausoleum, close to her tomb, would inherit a large sum of money. Now, here were the rules. Okay, so her will included this provision, leaving millions of francs at that time, leaving millions of francs to the person who would spend a year and a day in this white marble mausoleum alongside her body, which supposedly was in a crystal coffin. Now, the walls and the ceilings of the tomb were covered in mirrors so that whichever way the watcher might turn, they would always be confronted by the dead princess, even though she's not a princess. That's all according to a newspaper. Now, the person attempting the challenge wasn't to leave or talk to anyone and, quote, except that of reading by the funeral light at the head of the coffin and was condemned never to exchange a word with anyone during the 365 days, not even with the person who was once a day to bring the watchers food, end quote. Oh, no, that kit goes on. Only in the evenings, once the gate of the cemetery were closed, or in the very early mornings, were they allowed to take a stroll around the cemetery grounds. <sighs> Where were they supposed to go to the bathroom? What is that? All right, any, all right, stay with me for a bit longer. So, so many people had attempted the challenge, but none succeeded, in part, because people were driven mad while trying, while trying by, quote, unearthly and mysterious sounds. At least one turned into, quote, a jabbering idiot, according to the newspapers. Now, this story is everywhere. I mean, nowadays, this story is everywhere. It is all over the internet. It's even told by tour guides of the cemetery itself. But it's all bullshit. Thankfully, I didn't have to be the one to, de to debunk it. It's already been debunked. Author Chris Woodyard, Woodyard, who writes about macabre and unusual phenomena, uh, he says the earliest version appears in an 1893 Chicago Daily Tribune article, seven decades after she died. Now, it was under the heading, or the had the headline, A Chance to Grow Rich, Queer Will of a Russian Princess. Now, it says the legend, and it says it ends by saying, the will makes no mention of foreigners being ineligible. There is every chance, therefore, of a strong-minded American who fears neither ghosts, ghouls, nor gravestones to become rich in the short period of 365 days. Applications to be made to the municipality of, municipality of Paris. Men. In uh, 1896, Le Temp article... Uh, let's see, this was found by Pierre Lachey, Pierre Lachey, researcher Marie Belliem, says that the origin of the legend isn't this one from Chicago, but to a third page of a, another newspaper, uh, presumably in Paris. They said that the story, it's fake, had real-life effects, according to Le Temps, which said that, quote, the fable was reproduced everywhere in France, in Europe, in America. In fact, thousands of people wrote to the curator of the cemetery offering to say, like, yeah, I'll do it. Fuck it. I don't care. Put me in there. In the, uh, it's, these requests are, some of these requests are still in the Paris archives. And this woman, um, Marie, 
She found remnants of the craze that still exists. Six letters of application, all from 1893, from the United States, Norway, Croatia, Canada, Germany. And she says, the letters continue into the 20th century. Now, obviously, this article is a little bit old, but only by a couple of years. I'm assuming it's still going on because, again, it's all over the Internet. You look up this lady. Uh, but, 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 what's her name? Elizabeth Stroganoff, or some some call her Demidoff. It's all bullshit. People are quoting other bullshit, quoting other bullshit, regurgitating shit without even taking a second to figure out if the story is true or not, saying, hey, the money is still unclaimed. You can still get millions of dollars by spending a year. Look, we all just spent a year in quarantine. So all you people going like, fuck it, I could do that. No, you can't. No, you can't. Because people that were saying that, that I know, like, oh, I could I could spend a, a year on a desert island with, with no internet for a million dollars, were the same people that after a week, they were like, oh, I'm bored. I want to go outside. I can't believe I can't go outside. This sucks. The, the pandemic sucks. So, no, you couldn't have done it. And it doesn't matter because it's not even real. All right, let's continue on. Let's wrap this one up about her, though. That's not the only legend about this Woman, some say countess, some say princess, this Russian, basically. She is sometimes referred to as, quote, vampire baroness of Paris, apparently because there's wolves and other symbols on her tomb. So all these people were like, oh, I get it. There's wolves and there's this symbol. She's a Dracula. Total nonsense. No evidence that she's a Dracula. No evidence at all. That if you were to spend a year in the mausoleum with her hanging out, it would be anything like what we do in the shadows. So I'm calling bullshit on all of it. And let's move on to another cemetery after I take a quick drink. This quick drink brought to you by Ice Tea. Ice Tea. It's what's in Kurt. Alrighty, now I take you through the magic of podcasting over to London's Highgate Cemetery. That doesn't sound very magical. Hold on. Let's try this one. Nope. 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 There we go. Let's try that again. Take two. Now I take you through the magic of podcasting over to London's Highgate Cemetery. Which, in case you needed this information, is in England. It was opened in 1839. This is the reason I wanted to do this episode. The Highgate Cemetery. Holy shit, people. There's a lot packed into this. A lot of crazy packed into this one cemetery. Um, it's most commonly known, like I said, opened in 1839. It's most commonly known for having a vampire living within it. I'm just going to cut to the chase and say no. There's no vampire. It's BS. But here's the story anyway. It's a crazy cool story. Regardless of the fact it's not true, you got to listen in. All right, in the early 1960s, or sorry, late 1960s, early 1970s, satanic panic was everywhere. You couldn't even play Dungeons and Dragons without upsetting the church. Like, there was a made-for-TV movie with Tom Hanks about Dungeons and Dragons and how it went, made him go crazy. And it was it's a bizarre movie. You got to find it. I can't think of what it's called off the top of my head. But the satanic panic of the 70s was real. It's crazy. Well, anyhow. A bunch of people would sneak into the cemetery at night. 
happens back then, happens now, happens all the time. Kids are going to sneak into cemeteries, teenagers, goths, what have you, are going to sneak into cemeteries at night. But, and this one, locals immediately started saying, oh, nope, they're doing satanic rituals there, partly because of this one news story. Now, this one comes out of the London Evening News, November 2nd, 1968. On the night of Halloween 1968, a graveyard desecration by persons unknown occurred at the cemetery in London. These persons arranged flowers taken from graves in circular patterns with arrows of blooms pointing to a new grave which was uncovered. A coffin was opened and the body inside was, quote, disturbed. But their most macabre act was driving an iron stake in form of a cross through the lid into the breast of the corpse. I can't find out if any of that is true, but let's keep going. Then, in a letter to the Hampstead and Highgate Express on February 6, 1970, two years later, an article either written by or just about, I don't think he actually wrote it, I think, I kind of think he kind of wrote it, but anyhow, article either written by or just about this guy named David Ferrant, who was a local magician, said that when passing the cemetery on December 24th, 1969, he had a glimpse of a, quote, gray figure. He said he considered it to be supernatural. And then he went around and started asking others if they had seen anything similar. Then, on the 13th, several people replied to the newspaper saying, oh my God, yeah, there's a variety of ghosts that are said to haunt the cemetery or the adjoining Swain's Lane. Now, these ghosts were described as, quote, a tall man in a hat. More description was a tall man in Victorian clothes and a top hat, a spectral cyclist, a woman in white, a face glaring through the bars of a gate, a figure wading into a pond, a pale gliding form, bells ringing. Yeah, you know, there's churches and crap. It's a cemetery. There should be bells ringing. But, continuing on, voices calling to people. Then, just a couple years prior, in 1967, two adolescent girls walking home along near that uh, Swain's Lane I just talked about said that they witnessed, quote, the dead rising from their graves by the cemetery's north gate. Another teenager said that they had been woken one night with, quote, something cold and clinging on her hand. What was it? She never said. She didn't go into details. So, F that one. But, other newspapers and even the local TV news said, there's a vampire in there. Why vampire? Why not ghost? Well, it's because of this guy that I'm going to talk about in a minute, but it is kind of weird that they immediately jumped to vampire. Because a lot of the stuff that I just talked about screams ghost to me, spectral cyclist. Not, that doesn't seem like a vampire, but they mostly fixated on that tall guy in Victorian clothes in a hat that was seen floating by. So not only did they consider him a vampire, they went further. This next guy I'm about to talk about said, oh, no, 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 no. He's not just a vampire. He's the king of all vampires, a medieval black magician who had practiced magic in the in Wallachia, I uh, don't know how to do Wallachia. Kurt here. 
I had a delivery, so I had to pause this and then figure out what the hell I was talking about and then restart it all over. Not restart the whole thing over, but restart this story over. So I think uh, it's a seamless edit. You'll never know I was gone. Alrighty. Sorry, I don't know how to... Let's, uh, I'm just going to go back a minute because I had to stop real quick. I had to do something real quick. All right, so... Apparently, the Top Hat Man was known as the King of All Vampires, a medieval black magician who had practiced magic in Wallachia, the home of Dracula, before being buried in this cemetery. Why? Who knows? Where did they come up with this? No idea. Is it far-fetched? Fuck yeah, it is. But this vampire was dubbed the Highgate Vampire. Again, like, like I said, the reason... I wanted to do this episode. I heard about the Highgate Vampire and went, this is batshit crazy, but I want to, you know, encompass it in a fuller episode. I didn't want to do just an episode about just like a short mini episode about it. So anyhow, so this guy, Sean Manchester, who was a rival of that uh, that other guy, what was his name, Tarrant? What the hell was that other dude's name? Up, up, David Ferrant. All right, so this rival, David Ferrant's rival, Sean Manchester, said, oh, you got yourself a Highgate vampire? Well, I can expel or destroy the vampire. And he said he would do it, well, kind of. What he said was that he would do an exorcism, which, spoiler, doesn't work on vampires, but nice try there, Sean. But he would do an exorcism at the cemetery, on Friday the 13th of March, 1970. So ITV interviewed him and a few other people that had messed around the cemetery that said that they were paranormal experts and, you know, just all kinds of interesting people. And they said that they saw a ton of paranormal stuff there and they described all the crazy shit that they saw at the cemetery. This guy, Sean, said, yep, I'm going to go and do an exorcism because you guys got yourself a vampire and you got to be careful because he's the king of vampires. And this was all broadcast on that Friday the 13th. Here's the crazy part. That's right. I haven't even gotten to the crazy part yet. Because of that broadcast, within two hours of it airing, a mob of vampire hunters from all around London actually swarmed over the gates and walls and broke in to the locked cemetery despite police efforts to control them. I'm going to repeat that real quick. So a bunch of people, they're watching their TV. They see, an art, they see a news story about this guy, Sean Manchester, says he's going to perform an exorcism on the king vampire who used to live in the home of Dracula. And they went, what? Whoa, get out the pitchforks. We got to go kill ourselves a vampire, except in English accents, and then ran over to the cemetery and swarmed it, even though police were trying to keep them out. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now, remember that David Farrant guy, the reporter magician dude? That the one that guy that said he saw the gray figure? Well, we're not done with him yet. Because not to be outdone by Sean Manchester, David Ferrant, on August 1st, August 1st 1970, um, had a little run-in with the law. You see, August 1st, 1970, the charred and headless remains of a woman's body were found not far from her catacomb. Now, the police suspected it had been used in black magic. And then, right outside from there, right outside... Next to the churchyard, the police found 
David Ferrant. Now, it wasn't just him wandering around. No, it was him skulking, searching for a vampire, carrying a crucifix and a wooden stake. So they went, yeah, no, and they arrested him. Sadly, the case was dismissed. We never got to find out, you know, what was going on. And some people, not me, some people online allegedly say that David Ferrant was responsible for the beheading and burning of that woman's body. And he did go on years later to say he killed the vampire of Highgate Cemetery by beheading and burning it. So I'm not saying it, but some people, you know, kind of put two and two together. But we're not done yet. Not to be outdone, a few days later, Sean Manchester returned to Highgate Cemetery. Now, I'm just going to read from this little webpage because what the fuck, dude? So, Sean Manchester claims that this time he and his companions forced open the doors of a family's vault, indicated by his psychic helper. He says he lifted the lid off of one coffin, believing it to have been mysteriously transferred there from the previous catacomb. Now, he was about to drive a stake through the body it contained when the companion persuaded him to desist. Reluctantly, he shut the coffin, leaving garlic and incense in its place. Or in it, I should say. All right, I gotta... Why why the hell weren't these dudes just jailed and banished from being anywhere near this area? Why wasn't security at the cemetery said, hey... Take a, keep an eye out for these freaking wackadoos because they're getting worse and worse. They keep trying to outdo each other. So these two alleged nut jobs kept trying to out-vampire the other guy, getting angrier and angrier at each other, trying to be basically a, like a media spectacle. They wanted to keep outdoing the other and said they would even do a magic duel to end the feud live on TV. Shocker. It never happened. All righty. So the vampire stuff eventually kind of died down. No vampires were harmed in the making of this podcast. Uh, You can still go to the cemetery, and there is a lot of people talking about the Highgate vampire because why the hell wouldn't you? Even those stories like 40, 50 years old, like it's freaking nuts. So fun fact, the Highgate vampire appears as a villain in the Dark Horse comic series, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Season 9. Whoa, hold on. That's right, we actually have two fun facts for this story. Fun fact number two, Dracula AD 1972 was inspired by this very Highgate vampire. Heh, those are some fun facts. I know what you're thinking. All right, you can't possibly... Do better than this story. How are you going to top this story? Are you going to keep going on? How are you going to top this story? Well, I can't. So lower your expectations. This next story is just about ghosts. These next couple, they're just about ghosts, but we got to keep on keeping on. We're not at an hour yet. So let's move on to Greyfriars Kirkyard, which is a Scottish cemetery that opened up in the 16th century. The entrance to the graveyard reads... Non omnis moriar, which translates to, not all of me will die. And, well, 
it seems that some of the dead are living up to this motto because there is a spot called the Black Mausoleum, and that's where Bluid, Bluidy, sorry, Bluidy Mackenzie is laid to rest. Now, if this name sounds familiar, it's because I've talked about good old Bluidy before on an earlier episode. Now, Bluidy's poltergeist is very active in this graveyard. Now, it's said to have been seen or felt or worse by over 400 people have been affected by Bluidy McKenzie's poltergeist in this cemetery. They've experienced cold spots, scratches, bruises, and even faintings. So, yeah, it might not be a, a uh, Highgate vampire, but uh, there's a lot of shit still going on. Four, over 400 eyewitnesses, people, however you want to say it, have had experiences with Bluidy McKenzie there. All right, let's move on over to America for at least one or two. Now, the first one, this this is the cemetery. If any cemetery should be haunted, it's this one. It's the St. Louis Cemetery in New Orleans. That's right, New Orleans. Now, why do I say it definitely should? Well, it's the resting place of Marie. <clears throat> oh, I got a little verklempt talking about her. It's the resting place of Marie Laveau, the voodoo queen of New Orleans. That's right. She's been seen here numerous times. And honestly, frankly, one ghost I would not want to mess with. Yet, people want to mess with her, and they flock to this cemetery for that very reason. And I don't mean just to, like, look at her grave. No, no, no. I mean to interact with her. So here are the rules to ask Marie Laveau for help with you or with a spell or with a hex. You walk up to her crypt. You knock three times on it, and then you ask her to help you. You should know right away if she is willing to help you or not. How? I don't know. But still, don't do this. Anyhow, sorry, back to it. After the favor is granted, return to her crypt and, according to folklore, mark three X's on the wall of her crypt with either chalk or a chip from a brick. Now, you may also choose to leave her a gift. It is especially suggested. A gift of money, coins only, alcoholic beverages, flowers, Original handmade monkey and cock statues from her secret cult. I don't no idea what that means. Other voodoo items that would please her. Many people say that Marie's spirit will assist you either with your own fortune or against your enemies. Don't do it. Don't mess with her. Now, people believe that Marie's spirit rises on St. John's Eve, which is June 23rd, and holds court over a spectacular voodoo ritual held on Bayou Street. Bayou St. John? I don't know. Each year, by voodoo high priestess Sally Ann Glassman, who officiates and baptizes the faithful into the religion each year. I didn't write any of that. This is all from the, um, the rules that I found to ask her for your help. But, so there you go. If you want to go there, guess what? You can't. I'll tell you why in a minute. But still, just leave her alone. Let her rest peacefully. She seems like a nice woman. Let her rest peacefully. Don't mess with the voodoo queen of New Orleans. Now, 
There are a ton of other ghosts that are seen here too, so it's not just her. Including a bunch of non-confirmed reports of the ghost of Henry Vignet, who was a 19th century sailor who's also been spotted wandering lost through the cemetery and recognized. How are you going to recognize Henry Vignet? I have no idea, but a lot of people have. And a spirit known only as Alphonse, who is said to grab visitors and warn them against going near the Pinade Pinade family, Pinade family, P-I-N-E-A-D, Pinied family plot. Basically, don't go near the Pinied family plot. This one ghost, Alphonse, is going to grab you and warn you not to. And um, like I said, you can't go there anyway, so it doesn't matter, because from what I've been able to find online, this cemetery, the St. Louis Cemetery in, in New Orleans, has been closed since at least 2015, from what I can find online. Why is it closed? I don't know. Is it a good idea that it's closed? Sure, why not? Should you break in and jump over the walls? I would say no. I would say that's really, really bad, and don't do it. Leave her alone. Oh, in case you're wondering, like, hey, I think that name sounded familiar, that uh, Louvaux name. Yeah, Madame Louvaux. It was a uh, character on American Horror Story New Orleans. So that might be why you know about it as well. All righty, let's move on, though, to Old Western Burial Ground in Baltimore, Maryland. This is the final resting place of Edgar Allan Poe. Fifteen generals from the Revolutionary War and War of 1812 and just a bunch of other ghosts as well. I mean, there's a lot of ghosts that are seen here. Part of the graveyard can now only be accessed through catacombs below Westminster Presbyterian Church, and there seems to be a lot of haunted activity right under there alone, just in the catacombs, not even getting into the cemetery. But people have seen Edgar Allan Poe walking around, Generals from the Revolutionary War or the War of 1812 in their full regalia walking around. Other ghosts just walking around. A whole lot of ghosts walking around in this cemetery. But something that else that I thought I had talked about in a previous episode is actually buried in this cemetery or burial ground, whatever you want to call it, too. Now, I could have sworn that I have talked about this object in a previous episode, but I couldn't find it. So... If I have talked about it, pretend like you haven't heard the story. And if I haven't, well, then I hope you like the story. But buried in this burial ground, Old Western Burial Ground in Baltimore, Maryland, is the Screaming Skull of Cambridge. Now, grain of salt time, I can't find any real evidence for it, but here we go. Encased in cement and buried, quote, somewhere in this cemetery is... The Screaming Skull of Cambridge. Fun fact, I wrote The Creaming Skull of Cambridge on my little notes. That's a completely different skull. Look, if I have my choice between The Creaming Skull of Cambridge or The Screaming Skull of Cambridge, I'd go for The Screaming one. That's just me, though. That's just me. But anyhow, The Screaming Skull of Cambridge is said to be the head of a minister that was murdered murdered and beheaded the story goes the skull was either on display or kept somewhere or was separated from his body and basically just started screaming until people are like, wow, what the fuck is that screaming noise? And they went and found it and they went, oh, I found a skull. Oh, that's neat. Well, I'm going to put it over here. And then it started screaming again. 
And they went, oh, well, crap, apparently it doesn't like being over here. I'm going to put it over here in this drawer. That should stop the screaming, right? Nope, more screaming. It Look, it earns its name, the Screaming Skull of Cambridge. So they do what anybody would do. They go, fuck this thing. I'm encasing it in concrete, and that'll stop the screaming because, look, it's obviously it's pissed off. Putting it in a block of concrete isn't going to stop anything. It's not like if they closed the mouth of the skull, it would the screams would be muffled. It's not like it's like, and then as soon as you let go of the skull, it was like, ah, and you're like, oh, shit, and you close the mouth again. So putting it in concrete isn't going to help it. It's a screaming skull. It's obviously haunted. But here's why I think it's BS. No one knows who buried it or where they buried it in the cemetery. No one knows the minister's name. No one knows who enacted, who um, encased it in concrete. Uh, no one knows who killed the minister. There's no names whatsoever. There's no information. And then there's this creepy pasta BS part of the story. Rumors say that people have been literally driven insane from the screaming and were admitted to psychiatric wards from it. No. No, they weren't. Again, who? Which ward? Which psychiatric ward? Show me one person that was admitted to a psychiatric ward because of a skull that wouldn't shut the fuck up. Nope. I'm calling BS on the story. But again, tons of websites all regurgitate the same thing. And apparently, if you go to the old Western burial ground in Baltimore, Maryland, it is a story that they will tell you about. So, I don't know. I don't think it's real, but what the hell do I know? Okay, moving on to a very, very quick one. Resurrection Cemetery in Chicago, Illinois, where the tale of the vanishing hitchhiker is told. In case you couldn't guess it from the name, it's about people who are hitching rides to the cemetery. Hitchhiking, they pick, someone picks them up. They say, hey, I gotta go to the cemetery. Okay, cool. They drive them to the cemetery, um, which, again... If you're picking up a hitchhiker and they go, can you please drive me to the cemetery? It's nighttime and I really want to go to a cemetery. No, you say, oh, I'm sorry, I can't take you right now. Please don't kill me, bye, and then you drive away. But the story says people hitchhiking rides to the cemetery will then disappear or vanish, as the name suggests, when the driver pulls up to the cemetery. That's the tale of the hitchhiking, the vanishing hitchhiker of Resurrection Cemetery in Chicago, Illinois. Boom, done, moving on. Let's move on to... La Noria Cemetery in Chile. This is the final one for this part. Again, there will be a part two because there are a shit ton of haunted cemeteries that have crazy cool stories. Now, the La Noria Cemetery in Chile was founded in 1872. It was a mining town, and it was filled, sadly, with forced labor and slavery and all that really bad, bad shit. But by the 1960s, the mining business kind of declined, and the town was abandoned. But for some reason, many of the graves in the town cemetery were left open, or, I have a feeling, they had since been looted since the town was abandoned. But either way, you can walk up to this day and see a bunch of open graves, which can't help the resale value of the town. But anyhow, it's said that every night the dead rise from their grave. Now, depending on where you live, you will either see them or hear them. Some sites say that in the north side of town, visitors report hearing the sounds, the disembodied voices, the screams, and the sounds of footsteps when nobody is around every night. 
they have this. But on the south side of town, people have reported seeing spirits or the undead wandering the streets. So, my tip to you, stay on the north side of town because I would much rather hear the screams than see a freaking zombie, but that's just me. If you're if you really want to see a zombie, boy, do I have a place for you to go and see a zombie because it is apparently every freaking night. That's crazy. Once again, Lenoria Cemetery in Chile. Now, if you'd been to any of the cemeteries on this part one, please let me know. I want to hear about your stories of going and visiting these cemeteries. If you've been to another haunted cemetery, let me know. Because like I said, there are tons of them. But my guess is that the one you're about to let me know about is on part two of Haunted Cemeteries. Spoilers, next episode is part two of Haunted Cemeteries and Graveyards. I think this is a cool one. I had never heard of the Highgate Vampire. That is a bizarre tale that just kept giving. The more I dove into it, the more I'm like, what the hell is going on with this freaking town? Why are everybody in London freaking out over a news story and just, look, I was watching a news story right now, today. I get done with this podcast. I turn on the news, and they go, Burbank Cemetery has a vampire. I wouldn't go, shit, I got to drive over to the Burbank Cemetery, and I'm going to get that vampire. Who's with me? And then, like, you know, carve a stake and then get in my car, and, oh, my God, there's a bunch of police telling me to go home. Screw those police. They're not going to protect that vampire. I'm jumping over the wall and start roaming around the Burbank Cemetery. What the hell, man? That's some crazy shit. But anyhow, what's the weirdest thing you've ever seen in a, in a cemetery? And don't tell me, well, I've never really been in a cemetery. Bullshit. We all have. Look, there are some beautiful, absolutely beautiful cemeteries in Hollywood. And, and the like the Hollywood royalty that are in these cemeteries. It's just amazing to walk from like Charlie Chaplin's tombstone to, you know, uh, one of the three stooges or seeing Walt Disney's crypt. Like it is crazy cool. And I do like that kind of stuff. I'm not a fan of like, you know, just hanging out in cemeteries all day, but the Hollywood forever cemetery, you, you can't go two feet without hearing or seeing, you know, seeing a name that you know, like, oh, my God, I've heard of that guy, including, like, Mel Blanc, you know, Bugs Bunny. Like, it's crazy cool. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful walk. I get why people do it, but, again, it's kind of a neat thing to do. But what is the, uh, what's the weirdest thing you've seen in a cemetery? You ever seen a ghost in a cemetery? What do you guys think about ghosts in cemeteries? Again, I don't understand why you would want to haunt a cemetery. It's not the place I want to haunt. Look, when I die and I get a chance and they go, hey, you can haunt whatever you want. I'm not going to go, well, screw that. I'm going to I'm haunt a cemetery. No, 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 no. I'm going to haunt, I don't know. There's got to be like Evangeline Lilly's house. I don't know. I was just trying to think of somebody off the top of my head. You know, Anna Kendrick's house. I don't know. I'm going to haunt somebody so, you know, I can do like crazy cool ghost stuff. I don't want to sit around in a cemetery all day. Anyhow, that's just me rambling now. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I'm glad to be back. I'm going to put this one out right away. There's a, two live episodes this week, Thursday and Saturday. So if you want the, if you want to call in for the live call-in bonus shows, you have two chances this week, Thursday and Saturday. So 
I think it's 7 p.m. on Thursday and maybe 5 or 6 p.m. On, on Saturday. You can go to the Facebook page. You can find it um, or twitch.tv and find it. But anyhow, I hope to see you guys on the live shows. Hope you're all doing well. Hope you're all staying safe and sane. Once again, I'm your host, Kurt Sandig, and this has been another edition of Paranormal Almanac. Yeah. Hurry up, man. Yeah, hun, yeah. Here, through my